Welcome to Polymathic Being, a place to explore counterintuitive insights across multiple domains. These essays take common topics and explore them from different perspectives and disciplines, and in doing so, come up with unique insights and solutions. As we kick off today, I want to celebrate the continued growth of Polymethic Being. Thanks for being here. I also have an ask. Please follow, like, and share. Follow us on your podcast players and on polymathicbeing.substack.com. Click the like button or submit reviews so others can find us. And please share these essays and recordings with others so that we can continue to grow together. Zen and the Art of Freediving Today's topic shifts gears and explores the interesting sport of freediving I immerse myself in while living in Florida. Let's plunge into the psychological and physiological challenges of the sport, as well as the beauty of relaxing, being in the moment, and letting things go. Before we start, I highly recommend you watch the video at the start of this essay. It's a great capture of freediving and highlights the beauty of the activity. You can find it on polymathicbeing.substack.com. In 2021, I officially entered the world of freediving. This wasn't my first dalliance with diving, as I got myself a pair of fins and a mask as a kid in northern Michigan and dove in wonderful, spring-fed Clear Lake. There's a place we called The Abyss after the 1990s movie, and this area had a shockingly steep drop-off into over 20 meters or 60 feet of water. We'd grab rocks and sink down as we tried to keep our ears from overpressurizing. I got pretty good at diving this way and turned it into a fun hobby of exploring dive platforms and piers and collecting treasures of things that people forgot to take out of their pockets. Yes, the life of a 13-year-old finding $50 in cash and a corroded eagle necklace among other treasures isn't to be underestimated. But once I got older, I didn't do much diving. I snorkeled with my wife on trips to the Bahamas and the Mexican Riviera, but it wasn't until 2021 that I got back into freediving. This time, it was through my friend and fellow polymath, Josh Deaches, as he had recently picked up the sport and convinced me to join. I thought I was going to get into a fun hobby. Instead, I entered a world of advanced psychology and physiology where I learned how to be in tune with my body and my mind. What I love about freediving is the simplicity of it all. It's just fins, a mask, a snorkel, and a wetsuit. And with that, you can unlock the depths of some of the most amazing places in nature that few people ever see. Even better is the lack of a burden of scuba gear and the silence of not hearing the respirator bubble, which allows you to hear the most fantastic sounds underwater. Also, freediving is a bit counterculture and reminds me of snowboarding amongst the skiers. So with all this simplicity, why are there so few people who actually dive this way? I think it's honestly the counterintuitive nature of how freediving works. It's not about power, strength, or courage per se, or just guts. It's actually about losing yourself to lower instincts, clearing your mind of clutter, and getting into the zen of freediving. The Physiology of Freediving What's important to know when freediving is that humans have a secret superpower called the mammalian dive reflex. This complex physiological response occurs when the face is submerged in cold water and is largely keyed by skin sensors around your eyes. It prepares the body for underwater diving by conserving oxygen and protecting our vital organs by, one, slowing the heart rate. Upon submersion in water, the heart rate slows by as much as 25 to 50%. This helps to conserve oxygen and reduces the amount of carbon dioxide produced by the body. Number two. Narrowing of blood vessels in the limbs. 
The blood vessels in the limbs constrict, reducing blood flows to the extremities and diverting blood to the core of the body where it's needed most. Number three, increased blood flow to the heart and brain. The blood flow to the heart and brain increases, helping to protect these vital organs during underwater dives. Number four, reduction of oxygen consumption. The body's metabolism slows down, reducing the amount of oxygen consumed and prolonging the time that can be spent underwater. And number five, dilation of the bronchioles. The air passages in the lungs, or the bronchioles, dilate, allowing for easier and more efficient oxygen exchange. The mammalian dive reflex helps aquatic mammals and humans stay underwater for longer periods of time by conserving oxygen. Another fun aspect of our body's response to water is that if you get to the point of blacking out, your body is actually only halfway to actual damage. This is because part of the reflex is to expel the air from your lungs, lock your airway, and enter a safe mode. This is how people have been known to recover from drowning long minutes later with no adverse effects. One of the main challenges you'll notice immediately on diving more than three meters deep is the incredible pressure increases based on the weight of the water. For every 10 meters of depth, the pressure increases by one atmosphere. This means most people feel incredible pain in their ears at about 10 meters without equalization, and serious damage can occur without equalization beyond that. But not to worry, since we are mostly liquid inside these skins, Simple pressure equalization by plugging your nose and popping your ears regularly can keep everything comfortable. Pro tip here, don't forget to let a little air out your nose to keep your mask from squeezing your eyes out. What's fascinating though is the flexibility of your lungs. When a person dives with their lungs fully inflated, by 10 meters or 30 feet, their lungs are compressed to half their original volume. By 30 meters or 100 feet, your lungs are compressed to the size of your fists. As you surface, they expand back to normal. Your body's adaptability to these depths and its evolutionary dive reflex are two physiological advantages that you can intentionally leverage to maximize your depth and time in a dive. The key to really unlocking the depths is in how we breathe in preparation for the dive. If you go to a popular location, you'll see free divers floating on the surface with their faces in the water breathing through their snorkels, and not moving. This is called breathing up, and is a method by which we go through a controlled breathing exercise. This slows your heart rate and maximizes the oxygen in your blood. It also preps the mammalian dive reflex. I'd wait until my heart dropped to about 60 beats per minute as a general rule of thumb. And remember that discussion of slower heart rate? When I'd surface, my heart would be closer to 40 beats per minute. As you get your body slowing down, you then breathe deep into your belly, top off in your chest, and execute a duck dive to streamline your entry into the water. From there, it's just slow as smooth and smooth as fast, and the psychology kicks into high gear. The psychology of freediving. One of the first things I learned in freediving is that, for all the fitness, strength, and lung capacity I had, I couldn't use it the way you might in a triathlon or a CrossFit workout. Sure, I could power down, but then I'd have to come right back up as I'd burned all my oxygen inefficiently. Even worse was the time I powered down, felt fine, but suffered a shallow water blackout as I broke the surface. Remember, always dive with a buddy. The goal of freediving is to move as slowly as possible, to go as far as possible, and to spend as much time as possible underwater.
The amount of psychology to work through in achieving this is incredible. First off, just clearing your mind, getting in touch with your body, and focusing on and controlling your breath and heart rate is fantastic. The second part is knowing the physiology of your body and how incredibly capable it is and being able to put mind over matter. For example, when you hold your breath, known as apnea, that desperate feeling that you need to breathe after a short while isn't a lack of oxygen. It's actually a buildup of CO2 triggering the reflex to breathe. What's incredible is that if you keep holding through that initial discomfort and actually get to the point where you have diaphragm contractions, you're only halfway to a blackout, and a blackout is only halfway to low oxygen danger. Skilled divers learn to recognize these signals and pay attention to know their limits as well as their actual capabilities. A critical safety consideration in freediving is that you never hyperventilate. Hyperventilating doesn't add more oxygen to your blood. It merely lowers your CO2 levels. This means you reduce that signal and you can dive right into your blackout zone without warning. It is essential to be in touch with your body and feel the CO2 levels know how to manage them, and be able to push through the discomfort, and yet accept that discomfort as a critical signal. You can improve your breath hold by exercising what's called apnea tables and learning how to feel, manage, and align with your body better. During my freediving certification with Bob Finnick from Blue Water Freedivers, we were required to demonstrate a static apnea capability of 90 seconds and a dynamic apnea of 25 meters. For clarification, static is simply holding your breath underwater while not moving, and dynamic is while moving. I'd done a few test apnea tables with Josh, but not many. I set the goal to beat Bob's class record of 4 minutes and 45 seconds, but I'd only achieved 4 minutes in practice. Through Bob and Chrissy Garola's great tutelage, I was able to bust through my PR and nail a 5 minute and 10 second breath hold. Remember those diaphragm contractions I mentioned earlier? Those started at just over 2 minutes and 30 seconds and were so violent in the end that my entire body would convulse, causing waves in the water. But by knowing my body's physiology and centering myself psychologically, I was able to focus on the contractions, count them, and keep going. In summary, I'll share a quote from Bob Finnick. When preparing for a dive, a good solid mental strategy should be developed that guards your mind against unwarranted concerns or the unnecessary fixation on any number of the possible physical and mental stress factors that could potentially exist during a dive. Letting go of everything that could go wrong or that's dragging you down increases safety, performance, and dive satisfaction. Tying together physiology and psychology unlocked an incredible exploration into nature, both my own and the wild world underwater. I was able to see things most people never see, I was able to feel a sense of calm and centeredness that I hadn't felt before. I was able to make friends and build trust as we alternated providing safety oversight to each other. Best of all, I was able to introduce my kids to the sport and watch as they gained their own knowledge and confidence. This is what I love most about freediving and what is the most counterintuitive. Yes, you are submerging yourself in a potentially dangerous environment. Yes, you are pushing and leveraging physical capabilities you didn't know existed. And yes, you are exploring psychological levels of control that you didn't know you could manage. Yet, it is in letting go of what could go wrong or is dragging you down that allows you to unlock a world both beneath the water 
and within your soul that has broader implications. What I learned while freediving, I also applied to life out of the water, and it was transformative for how I engaged the world with confidence, flexibility, and grace. An appendix of caution before you just dive in. Number one, never dive alone. Always have a dive buddy with you when you are freediving. This person can assist you in case of an emergency. Number two, know your limits. Do not dive beyond your training or comfort level. Gradually increase your depth and time underwater as your experience and confidence grow. Number three, never dive into caves or any area with overhead obstructions. Your oxygen is always above you. Don't let things get in the way. And number four, get certified. I dove a few times before my training and was honestly mortified about what I did not know about safety procedures and how to assist my dive buddy if they got into trouble. The training is great. By following these basic safety rules, you can reduce the risks associated with freediving and ensure that you have a safe and enjoyable experience. Thanks for listening to Polymathic Being. We'd love for you to subscribe on Substack at polymathicbeing.substack.com where you can read, comment, and share these essays.